Section 39 of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section 39. Avraham the Orchard Keeper by Abraham Raisin. When he first came to the place as a boy and went straight to the Besamedresh, the house of study, and people greeted him and asked, where did you come from? And he answered, not without pride, from the government of Vilna. From that day until the day he was married, they called him the Vilna. In a few days' time, however, when the Besamedresh had married him to the daughter of the psalm reader, a coarse, undersized creature, when after six months' board with his father-in-law he became a teacher, the town altered his name to the Vilna Teacher. Again, a few years later, when he got a chest infection and the doctor forbade him to keep school and he began to deal in fruit, the town learned that his name was Avraham, to which they added the Orchard Keeper, and his name is Avraham the Orchard Keeper to this day. Avraham was quite content with his new calling. He had always wished for a business in which he need not have to do with a lot of people in whom he had small confidence, and in whose society he felt ill at ease. People have a queer way with them, he used to think. They want to be always talking. They want to tell everything, find out everything, answer everything. When he was a student he always chose a place in a corner somewhere where he could see nobody, and nobody could see him, and he used to murmur the day's task to a low tune, and his murmured repetition made him think of the ruin in which Rabbi Jose, praying there, heard the bass coal, the voice of heaven, mourn, cooing like a dove over the exile of Israel. Then he longed to float away to that ruin somewhere in the wilderness, and murmur there like a dove, with no one, no one to interrupt him, not even the bascole. But his vision would be destroyed by some hard question which a fellow student would put before him, describing circles with his thumb, and chanting to a shrill Gomorrah tune. In the orchard, at the end of the gas, however, which Avraham hired of the Gentiles, he had no need to exchange empty words with any one. Avraham had no large capital, and could not afford to hire an orchard for more than thirty roubles. The orchard was consequently small, and grew about twenty apple-trees, a few pear-trees, and a cherry-tree. Avraham used to move to the garden directly after Shavuos the Feast of Weeks, although that was still very early, the fruit had not yet set, and there was nothing to steal. But Avraham could not endure sitting at home any longer where the wife screamed, the children cried, and there was a continual fair. What should he want there? He only wished to be alone with his thoughts and imaginings and his quiet tunes which were always weaving themselves inside him and were nearly stifled. It is early to go to the orchard, directly after Shavuos, but Avraham does not mind. 
he is drawn back to the trees that can think and hear so much, and keep so many things to themselves. And Avraham betakes himself to the orchard. He carries with him, besides tefillin and talus, a siddur with the psalms and the stations, two volumes of the Gomorrah which he owns, a few works by the later scholars, and the tales of Jerusalem. He takes his wadded winter garment and a cushion, makes them into a bundle, kisses the mezuzah, mutters farewell, and is off to the orchard. As he nears the orchard his heart begins to beat loudly for joy, but he is hindered from going there at once. In the yard through which he must pass lies a dog. Later on, when Avraham has got to know the dog, he will even take him into the orchard, but the first time there is a certain risk. One has to know a dog, otherwise it barks, and Avraham dreads a bark worse than a bite. It goes through one's head. And Avraham waits till the owner comes out and leads him through by the hand. "'Back already!' exclaims the owner, laughing and astonished. "'Why not?' murmurs Avraham shamefacedly, and feeling that it is indeed early. "'What shall you do?' asks the owner, graver. "'There is no hut there at all. Last year's fell to pieces.' "'Never mind, never mind,' begs Avraham. "'It will be all right.' "'Well, if you want to come—' and the owner shrugs his shoulders and lets Avraham into the orchard. Avraham immediately lays his bundle on the ground, stretches himself at full length on the grass, and murmurs, "'Good, good!' At last he is silent, and listens to the quiet rustle of the trees. It seems to him that the trees also wonder at his coming so soon, and he looks at them beseechingly as though he would say, "'Trees, you too? I couldn't help it. It drew me.' And soon he fancies the trees have understood everything, and murmur, "'Good, good!' And Avraham already feels at home in the orchard. He rises from the ground and goes to every tree in turn, as though to make its acquaintance. Then he considers the hut that stands in the middle of the orchard. It has fallen in a little, certainly, but Avraham is all the better pleased with it. He is not particularly fond of new, strong things. A building resembling a ruin is somehow much more to his liking. Such a ruin is inwardly full of secrets, whispers, and melodies. The tears fall quietly while the soul yearns after something that has no name and no existence in time or space. And Avraham creeps into the fallen-in hut, where it is dark, and where there are smells of another world. He draws himself up into a ball, and remains hid from everyone. But to remain hid from the world is not easy. At first it can be managed. So long as the fruit is ripening, he needs no one, and no one needs him. When one of his children brings him food, he exchanges a few words with it, and asks what's going on at home, and how the mother is, 
and he feels he has done his duty if, when obliged to go home, he spends there Friday night and Saturday morning. That over, and the hot stew eaten, he returns to the orchard, lies down under a tree, opens the tales of Jerusalem, goes to sleep reading a fantastical legend, dreams of the western wall, Mother Rachel's grave, the cave of Machpelah, and other holy, quiet places, places where the air is full of old stories such as are given in such easy Hebrew in the tales of Jerusalem. But when the fruit is ripe, and the trees begin to bend under the burden of it, Avraham must perforce leave his peaceful world and become a trader. When the first wind begins to blow in the orchard and covers the ground thereof with apples and pears, Avraham collects them, makes them into heaps, sorts them, and awakes the market women with their loud tongues, who destroy all the peace and quiet of his Garden of Eden. On Sabbath he would like to rest, but of a Sabbath the trade in apples, on credit of course, is very lively in the orchards. There is a custom in the town to that effect, and Avraham cannot do away with it. Young gentlemen and ladies come into the orchard and hold a sort of revel. They sing and laugh, they walk and they chatter, and Avraham must listen to it all and bear it and wait for the night, when he can creep back into his hut, and need look at no one but the trees, and hear nothing but the wind, and sometimes the rain and the thunder. But it is worse in the autumn, when the fruit is getting over-ripe, and he can no longer remain in the orchard. With a bursting heart he bids farewell to the trees, to the hut in which he has spent so many quiet, peaceful moments. He conveys the apples to a shed belonging to the farm, which he has hired ever since he had the orchard for ten gulden a month, and goes back to the gas. In the gas at that time there is mud and rain. Town Jews drag themselves along sick and dishearted. They cough and groan. Avraham stares round him, and fails to recognize the world. Bad, he mutters. Feh! And he spits. Where is one to get to? And Avraham recalls the beautiful legends in the tales of Jerusalem. He recalls the land of Israel. There, he knows, it is always summer always warm and fine, and every autumn the vision draws him. But there is no possibility of his being able to go there. He must sell the apples which he has brought from the orchard, and feed the wife and the children he has outside the land. And all through the autumn and part of the winter Avraham drags himself about with a basket of apples under his arm, and a yearning in his heart. He waits for the dear summer, when he will be able to go back and hide himself in the orchard, in the hut, and be alone, where the town mud and the town Jews with dull senses shall be out of sight, 
and the weekday noise out of hearing. End of Avraham the Orchard Keeper by Abraham Raisin.